this picture that she made mm-hmm. is right on. Nice. I think I've used those black people for another stock image. They're kind of the perfect protesty black people. Is it the turtleneck that does it for you? Because it's the turtleneck mm. that does it for me. I think it's got to be the turtleneck because she looks like she just left work. <laughs> <laughs> she does. And welcome to the This is Revolution Podcast Roundtable Talk. No guests, no news stories, just TIR having what we hope will be fun, informative, and of course, because of you, the viewing audience, an interactive discussion. Because of the success and stress of the New York City show, Matt and David won't be joining us this week for our Revolutionary Reckoning joint news show. Speaking of New York City, it was a resounding success. And I would like to thank everyone for coming out. Uh, and for those uh, that uh, I did meet in real life, it was great to meet you guys. I was dope to see some familiar faces. Also, I want to thank everyone that was part of Make What Happened. Uh, TJ, of course, looking agent extraordinaire. Naomi, opening the show with a great side-splitting set. Conan Neutron coming all the way from Milwaukee to MC the event. Thank you to our guests, Oscar Spencata, uh, Sam Cedar, and Emma Viglin. Thank you, Quinn, for holding down the merch booth. Shout out to the Cutting Room and CEG Promotions for letting us do the show. And lastly, uh, the person that stays in my ear, making sure the show is going to plan and put together this program. Big, massive shout out. So thank you all for tuning in. Just a quick reminder, if you're new to the channel, subscribe and don't forget to click that notification bell so you'll be notified when we go live. We're constantly doing cross streams with other channels and adding shows. Just last night, we had our Mau Mau Hour with our very own Pascal Robert. Pascal took on Tai Wo's elite capture. The idea that identity politics was a left project that was co-opted by elites. That episode is up now, and I'm sure MT will be putting links to that show in the 
chat and probably also in the comments a little later. If you want to be part of the live call-in version of the Mau Mau and the Champagne Moon call-ins, there's only one way. You know who can tell you what that is? The faceless voice of reason that was also part of the live show. MT Toussaint. Please welcome MT. Hello, hello. Such a pleasure to be here tonight with the boys. <laughs> well, do you want to tell the people how they can be a part of the live show and how they can be a part of the live show? The the live Mau Mau and the champagne room. All in. Oh, <clears throat> you have to be a patron in order Thank to you. do that. And a member of the Discord in order to get the link to go to the Malau Hour Hat of the General Public. You forgot what it was. What do you what do we didn't rehearse anything? Rehearse? I sent you these notes hours ago. But the, I just thought you were sharing. <laughs> just like just like, information like how I was feeling? Yeah. Hey. FYI. Hey, FYI. Uh, I, I literally wrote in the notes, MT does <laughs> Look at the notes right now and you will see. Look at the notes right now. <laughs> okay. And you will see there's I I put it. I I just want everyone to see what I go through. Why? Do all this work. A professional? <laughs> Do all this work, and what happens? It's Thursday. What does that mean? I just realized that again for the first time. I also, you know, I never drink. Uh, I'm always drinking water or coffee, and I'm drinking soda because I have a feeling that today's show is going to be so spicy. When I have a drink, spicy. I'm supposed like to be doing the Mitch Perch. You got to do that as well. Okay, let me just pull up my notes. Um, so bad right now. So allow allow it to load. Uh, oh, now it has to load. You have dial up. I have dial up. I have bad bad case of dial up. All right. This is, this is you know. New York Mitch Perch. Yo, 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 yo. For the new year, you're going to want to cop some new merch for yourself. You worked hard. You survived another year. Treat yourself. We got hoodies, pullovers, snapbacks, and stay tuned for Pascal's Mau Mau Captain Crunch hats coming soon. <laughs> I feel like if we had Pascal Captain Crunch hats, um, that would be up. Mark Owen says the guest has to hawk the merch. Mark Owen, MT is not a guest. She is part of the machine. It is. This is what it is. Yes. So. I am part of the machine. You are, I am. are you, you raging in it, against it, for it, at it, towards it? I am the artificial intelligence in it. <laughs> Apparently, uh, people weren't sure if I was real. 
Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Um, we will be talking about the New York show in the champagne room and also taking your calls as well. So patreon.com slash bitter lake presents. If you want to be a part of this, wherever you are watching or listening to this show, there are links in the description. So you can be part of the champagne room, which is going to happen directly after we are done. But let me, before before we even get that far, let me bring in the Pascal Brooklyn. Peace and greetings to the audience. Peace and greetings to the chat. Peace and greetings, Jason Miles and M. Toussaint. Hello. Pascal, did you read any of the comments on your very spicy show last night? I did. The comments were generally positive. Okay. I thought we agreed we weren't going to read the comments, but I guess. Well, I was you worried did? because I was worried. I read the comments every now and then. I was, I was a little worried. I was like, you know, everybody loves this guy. We're talking shit about Afro picks and George. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're asking for trouble. It was, uh, I think we stuck to the facts, man. We, you know, we didn't ease him. We didn't get personal. You know, no. we weren't. No, we did. We just stuck to the text and kept it, kept it going. Just the facts, man. This is a great follow-up show to that show, and uh, I'm glad we went in this direction. The other one we were talking about at our very usual uh, impromptu production meeting that I like to call. Jason calls everybody at random hours. <laughs> Stefan's got a sandwich hanging out his mouth. <laughs> Gene has a baby on his head. Just random. <laughs> I'm usually like cleaning the kitchen and talking to you guys at the same time. You haven't You're doing done windows today. I did do I did do windows today. Mm-hmm. How did they look when they were done? Did you notice? They looked really good. I was going to have to pull you aside and talk to you about technique, but in the end, they looked good. So I was like, I'm going to let him rock. Yeah. I'm not going to be that person. What's What's funny is people think that that's a joke and you were actually like, no, 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 no. Stand five feet. I was like, look, don't tell me how to get <laughs> muck off my windows. Damn it. Um, But today's show reimagining black history month very important month for a lot of people Um, we decided not to have anybody non-black wasn't on the show Mm. so gene was like (laughs) he wanted to come on we're like no gene sorry uh kuba was like please please we're like no kuba can't come on not today this is not today black thing none of you would understand in just five days we'll be celebrating another black history month it will be filled with random historical trivia about black inventors and doctors a month-long parade of black excellence commercialized and monetized what is the goal of this exercise is it for awareness raising or improved race relations and what does the spectacle of blackness will be bombarded with supposed to accomplish for black people 
should we play the intro clip we should yeah let's do that like the intro clip yes okay that's good i made that and i was like i hope pascal likes this because this is about as fiery as you're gonna get from me without me yelling Mm -hmm. Ready? ready yes not about truth and telling white folk the truth of African history, the truth of our contributions to America, the truth of our great ancient past, for these people are not going to give up their privileges and wealth and power merely because they learned that you are Egyptians, or because you've contributed to American wealth, or these other things. It's too addictive for that. They will say, so what? Good for you. We are still holding on to what we got. Black History Month, the 28-day parade of acknowledging black achievement in the United States. Is this a class project of racial uplift by black elites? Is there value to be found in this holiday, or is it simply the monetization of blackness hidden in racial validation? We'll ask these questions and more. This is Revolution. That was a very good intro. That's nice. I like the wallpaper in the background. Can't hear you, Jason. You're muted. Everybody whines. Oh, I can hear a slap back echo. But yeah, oh. I, I hope you enjoy the uh, special effects at the end. Very nice. Well, I I think that we have to acknowledge the reason why we're having this conversation is because our Ever wonderful producer M. Toussaint was published in Sublation Magazine with an article uh, on the title of the show today. Basically, should we be, to the extent of saying, should we be reimagining Black History Month? And to do justice to her, I think we should give her the floor to explain what her motivation was. But before we do that, I would like us to at least do a summary of the historical origin of what was the impetus to Black History Month, according to what Mr. Taiwo tells us in his own book, and mm. which is interesting. But this is what he says on the origins of Black History Month. Carter G. Woodson remained a scholar. He had already, already founded the Journal of Negro History, through which he continued his pioneering work in African American history by producing scholarship to his own exacting standard and supporting young and emerging scholars, including Zora Neale Hurston. He also founded the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, today known as the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, supported by a grassroots fundraising effort. 
Though the Negro History Club's in high schools, theatrical renditions of historical events and, po and, and posters, the organization spread knowledge of black history across the country. His books were among the secretly used by black educators nationwide to subvert white control over what black school children learned. All of these efforts contributed to a broader network of intellectually insurgent practices of black scholars and black educators and uh, and at the, the at the uh, Jarvis Gibbons called fugitive pedagogy, according to Howard University historian Dow Dow Michael Scott, Woodson believed that publishing scientific history would transform race relations. Scott points out that during the civil rights movement, a few years after Carter's uh, Carter's approach to history was taught in the freedom schools that organizers set up across the country. The Negro history movement, he explains, was an intellectual insurgency that was part of every larger effort to trans transform race relations. But why did Carter Woodson think that an intellectual movement could seriously challenge a political structure? Mm. So this is, the one thing I want to say though is, right? is that Dow Michael Scott, who we all know as a scholar, admits that the whole program of Black History Month was to improve race relations. But let's think back. What was the origins of race relations going back to Booker T. Washington? And what was the mechanism of which it was used to neutralize the voices of Black people? Remember Adolf, when he was on the show, talked about how Race relations in and of itself was a management project to use black elites to negotiate the condition of the majority of black people undemocratically. So if we're admitting that Carter G. Woodson's project was rooted in a belief of improving race relations, doesn't it by de facto admit that this actually was an elite project of race management? Tucson? Um, I would say yes. I actually have a different quote from Carter G. Woodson about what Black History Month is about. Aha. Uh Aha, -huh. uh -huh. battle of quotes. Yeah. So let me just pull that up real quick. Um, you know, which I, I I like this reason, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. In his own words, Whitson said, those who have no record of what their forebears have accomplished lose the inspiration which comes from teaching, from the teaching of biography and history. So he wanted people to be inspired by the biographies and the history. Is yeah. that a bit of racial vindicationism there? We need to I give think you there is. Self, we need to give you self-esteem boosters through history? It's also a bit of a liberal framework because, well, I have come across the quote that uh, for a liberal, everything is a misunderstanding. Ooh. Everything isn't misunderstanding, you said? Everything is a misunderstanding. Gotcha. And so the answer becomes education and information. And that's not necessarily what works. Well, let me let me let me ask you guys this. It feels like 
that there's still still a generation of people that really bought into the branding of what a liberal slash Democrat slash good person is from the Obama years, right? Which is basically what yeah. Trump ran against and kind of what people are mildly pushing back against. Even quote unquote leftists are somewhat pushing back against this understanding. But one of the things that I do gather from this, and we talked about this uh, on the show yesterday, is that while programs to uplift people are great, they're hard to do because you have pushback from the right. And one way to stop that pushback from the right is through education, right? They don't like you because they have a preconceived notion about you that may be based in stereotypes. So we will crush those stereotypes with anti-racist teaching. Um, and through that understanding, then we can build a coalition to, to get good programs. Or we'll just have a society of good people that will just want good things for each other. I think you just what you just demonstrated is such a very important and salient point, Jason, because what it dem what it shows is that the belief is that the goal is to change the psychological condition of white people to make them like you. And one of the things I like about Amos Wilson, even though the brother is, a, you know, he's a black nationalist and he's a little bit far more nationalist than I am, even though for some reason a lot of people think I still am a black nationalist on the show just because I talk about black you, stuff. You say what he said. <laughs> but the thing that is interesting is that Amos Wilson doesn't relegate the condition of black people to some kind of mystical, magical racism or ontology of white supremacy. He does believe in white supremacy, but he doesn't talk about it as some kind of like earth science like physics he basically is saying that what white supremacy is is simply a power differential between people of the european world and people who are african descendants and the problem is that people of the african descended world tend to have less power than people of the euro people europe of the european descended world and nothing is going to change for black people unless the power dynamics shift. Now, as people who are dialectical materialists, the part about that I like is that material condition is also rooted in power dynamics. In other words, if you change the material condition of the African descended people, where they actually control means of production and institutions that actually change their physical capacity, your, your ability to render them to reserve army of labor or render them as surplus or render them to poverty diminishes because they own stakes and the assets that profit society. So what I like about his analysis is that it's not rooted in some kind of belief that white people biologically hate black people. It's that the di that power dynamics that exist between various ethnic groups on the planet are not in parity. Mm -hmm. I like what do you what do you think about that, Jason and Tucson? Tucson. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. 
there's definitely when you look at the intention and then you look at the result, something that doesn't add up there. So uh, definitely, I think your your quote about why Carter G. Woodson started Black History Month sounds more correct based on the outcomes that we have. And it seems like it's an important holiday for the status quo in general, right? Because mm -hmm. it is that moralism. Like, look, look, we're good people. We're acknowledging the good things that you people do. It's American history. You know, DeSantis said that in his speech, denying uh, the validity of that of that black history course um, by saying, I think black, black history is, is U.S. history. Um, it's American history, I think is what he said. Um, I also had a quote from the clip that and the file ended up getting messed up, but it was Morgan Freeman um, mm. also talking about uh, black history. And I just wanted to put it in there because every every white person loves Morgan Freeman. <laughs> but, uh, Morgan Freeman said that racism would disappear if we would just stop talking about it. He literally says that in the clip. That's why I wanted it in there. He says, he says it's a 60 minutes clip where he doesn't like mm. black history month because there's no Jewish history month. And uh, if we just stop calling each other by our ethnic names, then uh, acknowledging uh, our ethnic names and racism would just go away in a cloud of, I don't know, anonymity. I don't know. But I, was, uh, I wonder if I wonder if you felt that way when he was doing Easy Reader for an electric company. It wasn't worth about fifty million dollars. Oh, I mean, right? That's what changes everything. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> I mean, exactly. If the Chappelle show existed right now, Dave Chappelle would be doing hella jokes about Elon Musk. Absolutely. Absolutely. So but the thing really is the, the question I want to ask you guys though is that Jason really came up to something that was important. Is Black History Month a kind of uh is it a kind of a hustle in a yes. certain way? Jason yes. didn't even think twice. Yes. It's a hustle for McDonald's. It's a hustle for <laughs> Martin Luther King. They get to have <laughs> Martin Luther King's birthday shit right to the McRib in February. It's like, no. It's, like, yeah, it's, it's true. Um, Shamrock shake in March. Right? Black it's, just, it's just branding. Like, I think we joked one day, Pascal, when Mark Lamont Hill wrote some quote about the importance of Kwanzaa, <laughs> which is, you know, you want to talk about uh, capitalist capture, <laughs> you know, you're mm -hmm. capturing a market here that's left behind, right? And a lot of kente cloth gets sold, a lot of black Santa wrapping paper gets sold, um, mm -hmm. a lot of shitty movies with the Jesus themes uh get get made to come out around that time and black history month is no different i mean let's go back to uh the summer of 2020 when the world kind of erupted and what was the first thing that happened ford motors would like to thank mm. <laughs> african-americans netflix you get on netflix all of a sudden it's like african-american movies Will Smith and Ali. Oh, God. And then you have a black choir in the back humming. 
<laughs> all this all this black shit. We know we made a joke about it, Pascal. If you remember, because one of those uh, Black Lives Matter women was in a uh, car commercial for like an Escalade or something. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's, to Toussaint's piece's credit, you know, Black History Month gets boiled down to silly trivia. Does Black History Month do anything to change the power dynamics between Black people and American society in any way? How can it? That's my question. How can it? If all I'm doing is going, hey, some Black guy did some shit with a peanut. Hey, some Black guy invented a traffic stoplight. Give a shit. It goes back to the Amos, uh, was it Amos Williams? Amos Wilson. Mm -hmm. Wilson, Williams, Johnson. It goes back to his quote. These people don't give a damn if you're a descendant of, of Egyptian king. And it also gives people an overinflated sense of self, right? You go from, if you're that down on who you are, then all of a sudden you think that you're a king or a descendant of one because there were some kings in the nation which you are from. That's just silly. And you're also clearly a monarchist. It's weird. Is that the best form of government? It's Wakanda forever. It's also black excellence, Mm -hmm. which is very, I, when I think of black excellence, I think of two, two persons, one Mark Lamont Hill. (laughs) I do. I think about him. And the second is our very own Varn. You think Varn when you think black excellence? Varn is black excellence. (laughs) But it, it speaks to the intentions of Black History Month because no one said you couldn't be excellent, uh, which is basically what Amos Wilson is saying. You can be excellent all you want. The the idea is that you're you're not human, like I'm human. You don't have the power that I have. Think of what Black History Month has done for Martin Luther King. Totally changed a man who was on the fringes towards the end of his life because he's anti-war and is not the draw that he once was. And now he's forever immortalized in 1964, 63, whenever the March on Washington was. And this much of a speech that was so much longer is, is all we know about him. That's it. He's not MLK the socialist. He's just MLK the mighty man. Think about what it's done for the, for the idea that we can't have a movement without a messianic leader. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've done, I think, multiple shows over Judas and the Black Messiah, which paints that picture again of Fred Hampton. Right. And, and the Black Messiah Panther Party. The title. There are people that think the Black Panther Party was way bigger than it was. If you told those people, well, you know, the NAACP had more dues paying members in 1970 than the BPP. And a good portion of the BPP was just informants. NAACP has offices in every state. Dues paying members. I'm not saying the NAACP is the end all be all organization, but it isn't was at one point in time an organization with legitimate political power. Mm-hmm. But if you're immersed in the posturing 
And then you go back and go, oh, well, there's these histories that were ignored. Like there's these five women that met three times in a bunch of years and they wrote this thing that kind of had no effect on nothing. But man, it sure did be, become a big deal in academia where they all retreated to. Y'all so, going kind of hard, man. I'm going. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to get defensive here, man. Y'all, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> nah, man. Y'all getting hard on because I'm going. All right. Let me. Let me. Let me take another position here. Okay. As a for me personally, and I want to give you personal anecdotes here. Mm-hmm. I went to high school, a predominantly Catholic high school. I was predominantly white, where mm-hmm. they didn't even. Te- you didn't hear anything about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. You didn't. There was no black history. It was nothing about anything black at all, at all, in four years of my Catholic high school. Now, when I went to college, one of the things that I appreciated is because there was a higher education opportunity program there at Hofstra called the NOAA program that was run by a very, very strong kind of uh, black nationalist director at the schools. It was Frank Smith. Every Black History Month, you would see all of these guys whose videos you see now, like John Henry Clark, uh, Leonard Jeffries, uh, Ivan Van Sertema, they would be on my campus every year. So even though Hofstra was a predominantly white institution where I went to undergrad, it was there was a certain sense of racial consciousness that students had at that time in the 80s, which coincides with that kind of brief period of kind of culturally aware hip-hop where brothers were wearing African medallions and all that stuff. I'm not trying to say there was anything deep or politically profound, but I will say that in terms of my personal development to understanding the dynamics of race and politics, I would not be able to do the analysis that I've been doing for over 15 years if I didn't get that initial introduction into the canon of Black thought and black political history that mm-hmm. I got through Black History Month mm-hmm. in as an undergrad at Hofstra. I mean, now, did it redeem you? Now, my position is that doesn't stop it from being an elite project, right? Because kids mm-hmm. in the hood are not getting that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I mean, look, I watched Eyes on the Prize. Mm-hmm. Came on every February and also around MLK's birthday. I had to memorize the end of the I had a dream speech to say it to uh, Sunday school. I don't, I don't know. I, I I just had a different upbringing, I guess, where black shit. I just said niggas in my house. Yes. Growing up in Oakland, there is a certain kind of black history ether mm-hmm. in the air. Mm-hmm. I've been to Oakland. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, you know, the, you know, the, the clouds look like black power afros. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm a Bruce Dixie. He was like, when we talk about Oakland, he was like, Oak Town is no joke town. You know, that was <laughs> Jesus. I think that one of the reasons why you have less patience for a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. is that, frankly, you grew up in a town where a lot of the cats who were popping that gang 
mm-hmm. were frankly not living up to the talk, and you didn't really have much respect for them. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And they and, and they weren't in my neighborhood, right? So I don't know, man. I I, I look at this shit, especially with a, a more adult eye. I'm like, ah, it's just a way to sell shit. It's a way to sell shit and sell your political brand. And and both parties are trying to sell tolerance out of their brand, which is another reason why I do believe that the Trump era is done, because you can't sell tolerance when you're when you're that much on the fringe. You know, if Trump had a real um, political position, he could be Turner Diaries dangerous. But because he's such a clown show, he's not. But, you know, in, in reading MT's piece, I actually went back and watched that clip again of, of DeSantis talking about, you know, there's lesbians in here. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have teaching about this gay agenda. There's a gay intersection lesbians. Well, listen, we, uh, we, we've talked it off. We need to have M2. M2 what motivated you to write this piece? I I actually wrote this or some version of this uh, over 10 years ago. This has been grinding my gears for a long time. And uh, I used to run a, a blog called So Fresh and So Green about, about the intersection of black and green. And um, yeah, I, I, I would celebrate Black History Month the way I wanted to every mm-hmm. month because I just didn't like the approach, the the George Washington Carver peanut butter approach. <laughs> it doesn't ha- that doesn't have to be the approach though. No, it doesn't, but it often is. It often is just trivia. It's, it's just little bits and pieces of people's lives. It's not even full biographies. If it is full biographies, you don't, you don't, really get the context of these people living at the same time as each other. Like, you know, there was a meme years ago uh, that showed a picture of Anne Frank and Martin Luther King Jr. And it said that they were born in the same year. This kind of context, you just, it's missing. And people are happy to be missing it because what we're celebrating is these biographies of these excellent people. And then you're going to watch Raisin in the Sun, right? Mm. Maybe Fences, because Raisin in the Sun is black and white. So you'll watch Fences because it's newer. But, I mean, is that what you want, Pascal? Everybody watching Fences and crying at the end? No, because I've watched Fences. I don't like that movie. I I just saw Octavia Butler's face drenched in tears, and I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this. It's not very good. Like, I tried to like it because all these smart people said like it, and I was like, Denzel Washington overacts so badly in that movie, it's beyond words. I don't know if he overacted. It's just the character in the play is kind of a repugnant piece of shit. He got bills to pay. That's true. Black History Month is another month that mortgages due. So. You know what I like way more than fences is my Rainey's Big Black Bottom. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I mean, my either. favorite piece of uh, of uh, black theatrical work was a Raisin in the Sun. Lorraine really? Hansbury. Lorraine Tansbury, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, didn't, and um, who I'm sorry, go ahead, Tucson. Didn't didn't Harold Cruz trash it in he did, but I think he had a personal issue with Lorraine Hansberry because he believed that she was trying to promote integration and not supporting. Harold Cruz had a lot of issues. I think he was he had sour grapes about his own kind of theatrical inability mm. to come out of uh, drama. Yeah. He, he does end the book that way. Yeah. Cruz, Cruz has a lot of access to grind that he takes to full shopping in uh, the crisis, the message, the, the, uh, the crisis of the Negro intellectual. I loved it. Uh, and that was like one of my favorite parts of it because, okay, as a person of a certain age, uh, growing up after the civil rights era, all of these people are sacred cows. And here in the crisis of the, of the Negro intellectual is Harold Cruz, who is older than them mm-hmm. and is critical of them. And and it was I couldn't believe what I was reading. I thought I thought somebody was gonna come crashing through my window. <laughs> tell me tell me stop reading that book. It was dangerous. amazing to see that critique. It, it's so important. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a hardcore cultural nationalist, big time. I mean, Kyle Cruz's belief is that the reason why black people do not succeed is because black elites do not invest enough in preserving black cultural national black cultural production he believes that the goal the, there's a need well you read the book i don't have to tell you Basically, yeah. he's like there needs to be an investment in having all black cultural spaces and you know i mean we had a whole show on my position on cultural nationalism i think it's very similar to this kind of stuff it's all feel good racial vindicationism that's not rooted in the material condition of the majority of black people who are well, what about black. uh you know because everyone's going to go back and watch black shit right and uh there was a movie on this. Uh, they tried to do a modern take on the Bigger Thomas. What was the name of that play? I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. Uh, Invisible Man. No, where he kills a white chick. Oh, that's um. Invisible Man. Native Son. Native, Native Son. Yes. Yeah. Native Son. The we're re- we're bad at this. Son. What did you guys think of that? I read Native Son. It was kind of traumatizing when I read it in high school. I started reading it, but I, I couldn't finish it because. I just really felt he abandoned Bigger Thomas, and I didn't enjoy reading it like that. Because he killed a white lady? You think that was just like the dumbest thing ever? It's a classic scenario. It's a trope for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Maybe his was one of the first places where it showed up in the art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a trope. My favorite piece of black nonfiction is Invisible Man, Ralph Ellison. I love that book. That's a great book. Are you gonna are you gonna recommend it for Black History Month? I mean, I think you should read it anytime. Well, let me ask you guys a question, okay? Mm-hmm. Do we believe there is a value in celebrating black intellectual, cultural, and artistic production? Do we have to do it in a month? I mean, do we do it with <laughs> anybody else? You know what I mean? Do we do it with any other? This is how I look at it, Pascal. I live in Mexico. I live on a street or off of a road called Artisanal Row. You go down the 10 blocks or whatever it is, three miles from when you exit the quota till you turn off at the military base to get to my house and try to tell them too much information. You was doxing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, and it's just quote unquote Mexican art. Right? It's these people selling what the tourists want, what Chicanos from over the border want so they can legitimize themselves, what white people want so they can be cultured. And that's what I see every day. Tomorrow is Friday. The weather is nice. My street will be flooded with people taking in all this culture, right? Mm -hmm. The people that are creating this, it's, it's made here. It literally is made here. The woodworking is done here. All the clay work is done here. The painting is done in here. We see them do it every day. But much like my friends in New Orleans who are artists, you're not making what you want to make. You're making what sells. And that's what this, this is... shit kind of ends up being to me. If you want to celebrate black art, celebrate it. Somebody bought my my last ep it's just me doing everything played every instrument you know mixed it i did everything that's black art do they have to buy it on february for it to mean something well let me ask you this question what do you think about the argument that the reason why you need a concentrated period of time to dedicate to black cultural social intellectual production is because we live in a society that is premised on devaluing those contributions of black people historically and contemporarily who's devaluing it in 2023 i'm asking i mean that's I'm not a, i mean look being next to ava duvernay right now if we tone this show down tremendously and try to get next to Ava DuVernay ain't nobody stopping her from making when they see us Selma 13th who's who's denying this cultural production Basquiat has shirts on sale in in Walmart who is denying the cultural production at this point well, I mean, I think you know me well enough, Jason, to know that I have my own deep, deep critique of the cultural production <laughs> and its connection mm -hmm. to capitalist realism. In the we're gonna watch, we're gonna watch that little baby documentary. You're not gonna weasel out of it. You're gonna learn by little baby. Well, you know, I, wow. I think there's a lot more to black culture than little baby, without a doubt. But <laughs> not much more. Not much more. A, a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I'm simply presenting to you mm -hmm. the argument that many people who find value in Black history, because understand something, mm -hmm. one of the motivations of Black History History Month, this is something that was started in the 1920s, mm -hmm. comes, this is a time where literally the only image you're seeing of Black people are Sambo's hidey, 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 hidey. <laughs> <Whoa. laughs> you know, all she's seeing is these, you know, Mammy's little baby love shortening, shortening, Mammy's little baby love shortening, bread. I mean, 
<laughs> I, I love that song. I don't know if it's wrong, but I love that song. The Coon Stravaganza on TIR. I do like shortening bread. I do. I mean that that's that's all you see. You you you're literally coming of age at a time where scientific racism is telling you that black people are barely above animals. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're also at a time where like 70% of black people are sharecroppers and domestic workers. Mm -hmm. Okay. You are probably a small group of maybe, maybe 10,000 black people who are in college. Mm -hmm. And you're in this world do you not see the logic of feeling a certain exigency mm -hmm. in trying to combat these images that you're being bombarded with at that time? Can we can we understand what would be motivating someone? Oh, I, look, I get it. It's 2023, though. You know, my Lambo is blue. My president was black. What was it? How's that song oh, go? Man, so, I don't <laughs> <laughs> like an old man, it's like an old man. What's the Negro say? <laughs> About black presidents and blue Lamborghinis. But I mean, you don't want to be guilty of just saying what the year is and saying that should mean something because progress isn't isn't linear. And so, and and when this. When, certainly for the career of John John Henry Clark, his career was in response to being told that Black people had no history. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I think we should never forget that um, Black History Month started as Negro History Week. Mm -hmm. It was only a week. Mm -hmm. and, and we were supposed to fit all the history into seven days. Um, book ended by uh, Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln's birthdays, and that's how February was chosen. Just so people know. Uh, well, let me ask you. Let me take a different. Let me take a different uh, position here with you guys. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the fact that we segregate Black History into Black History Month, and that we segregate Black Studies into Black Studies, is actually the problem, and that it should be fully integrated into American history and American studies, and be given equal time and access in that way? I mean, it is an American history. I remember going to school, and you have your American history, but American history is truncated. It's slavery, a, a couple sentences on Reconstruction, then came Martin Luther King, and Negroes were happy again. American history, I don't, I don't know. Ew, it's just so bad. This is not a country that really cares for history in that way. Mm -mm. It's very mm -mm. interested in telling any other kind of story. What I found fascinating about DeSantis being so mad about lesbians being in the history books he was really upset about that um so you know what his porn search looks like right. <laughs> i'm looking for bbw missionary only uh is that history is told with a hero's narrative there's all these messiahs in u.s history abe lincoln mm -hmm. on his own free the slaves george washington on his own um led us to to uh 
be free from the uh, the crown. Martin Luther King on his own frees all black people of the tyranny of uh, of Jim Crow. So we love a hero's narrative. So it doesn't really matter to me if you're going to try to integrate, quote unquote, black history into American history, because, you know, American history is just going to be a story of heroes. And that's a problem that we still have right now. Why do you think people get so upset? I'm a leftist and I hate this congressman that isn't the congressman of my area. Well, because they were supposed to be a hero that was going to save you from yourself. Well, let me give oh. you, this is, this is my personal position. I'll go after I, you. Go ahead. I agree largely with your critique of the capitalist realist capture of Black History Month. Mm -hmm. And it's and the the the, the trivial milquetoast petite bourgeois narrative that we get. I believe that for me, if I had my druthers, I would like to see the history that is ignored in Black History Month. No one's talking about the history of the black socialists, the black communists of the 20s and 30s. No one's talking about the Colored Farmers Alliance. No one's talking about slave rebellions. Well, maybe some people are talking about slave rebellions. No one's talking about aspects of black historical figures that were challenging capitalism. No one's talking about black figures that were actually working outside of the status quo. You know, an integration of, of black international thought. Black people who thought about not simply a kind of petite bourgeois Victorian type of Pan-Africanism, but mm -hmm. a kind of more revolutionary radical. And you want this taught in public school? I would want this taught everywhere. So you, again, if DeSantis is mad about some lesbians, you think he really wants to hear about socialism? There are color? lesbians at every intersection. In every That's what intersectional lesbians black. are. They're on every street, every street. But seriously, Sorry. we don't hear about any socialists. Eugene, we Debs. don't hear. You don't hear about groups. It no. is whittled down to being about individuals. So we don't know what people did as groups, as socialists, as a group, or the colored alliances as groups. We don't. We don't know any of that. It's it's the great man theory of history. It's honestly, I think that comes from Christianity. It's boiling it down to one dude and a messiah figure. So it's it's very ingrained in the culture and would be very difficult to get out. If we can reimagine Black History Month, that would be one way I would do it. Let's talk about groups. I mean, Spike Lee has this massive undertaking that was years in the making of Malcolm X. Everyone on this screen was excited when Malcolm X was coming out. And if you say you weren't, you're lying. I we were all excited. I had a liquor store X hat. Let's be honest. <laughs> Juice for Malcolm X. And what did we learn from it? What Most did it do? The narrative of Malcolm X you'll ever see on film. Yep. It's what? The most conservative narrative of Malcolm X you'll ever see on film. Oh. I remember, get your hand out my pocket. I remember that. You got shot. And if I ever hear someone say that in public, I will run. You that is what I remember, remember him from walking with Spike Lee with that cool walk when he was walking down the street in the with the little. I remember that too. The dolly, yes. Dolly cam is always good. Oh, Spike Lee and the dolly cam. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 
yelling racial epithets into the screen. My favorite scene <laughs> in that movie is um, the Billie Holiday scene where she's singing in the still of the night, but it's not Billie Holiday, of course. It's um, Stephanie Mills? No, it's... Uh, who Stephanie sings that? It's somebody's mm. daughter. Nona Gay? Oh. Am I right? I don't remember. Oof, that's my favorite. I haven't part. seen that in years. I get I get goosebumps just thinking about that. Well, my, I'm I'm just gonna make my position clear. I don't think we should end Black History Month. I think we should reform it to have a much more radical anti-capitalist uh, history included in it. Sure. Totally agree. Sure. I mean, the reality of that happening outside of your own home. Which to me, that's how I kind of look at all this stuff. Like you can do whatever you want to do in your own home, but to think that America as a whole is going to stop this wonderful narrative making that they've done during Black History Month is a fool's errand. I mean, I understand it. I'm not, I mean, I understand the realities that we're dealing with in that regard. You know, people really think Malcolm X is like you know, the end all be all, and if you ask people, like, well, what, what uh, legislation? was written during his time that he was a part of. Well, I always say about Malcolm X is that him and Martin Luther King both died fighting capitalism and imperialism. Sure. Yeah. Malcolm X didn't go down south. He did go down south. He went to uh, to um, a, a snake. He was invited by a snake to give a speech in Selma. Mm-hmm. He came right back, too. He's like, not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. The humidity here that the white man <laughs> put on the black man. The humidity is a killer, man. There's no central <laughs> air in these apartments. How can a Negro gather his thoughts? I think there was a value in Malcolm X moves to radical internationalism and anti capitalism and pan Africanism that helped that inspire. Massive. I think that it helped inspire important radical movements that came afterwards. It's massive. I'm going to get a car bomb now for making that joke. <laughs> Someone asked me to, to elaborate on my issue with the Malcolm X movie. Basically, the only thing you get out of that movie is that Malcolm was a black nationalist. You don't hear about his move to anti-capitalism or anti-imperialism. You don't get that in the movie. It's not in the movie at all. Uh, the you get a little of- uh, The new tap water has a, has a comment. And the new tap water says, when are we going to have Black Yacht Rock Month? Oh. Pascal feels that is every month, just so you know. First of all, I feel that it is blasphemous to call any form of Black pop music (laughs) Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock. The Black excellent have (laughs) yachts. And do they not rock on their yachts? I think we should have Black Yacht Rock, but only sang by white people like Steely Dan and shit. (laughs) Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald. I'm here for it. Dude, I put on, I was was in traffic yesterday going to to get my mail. And I put on uh, Asia by Steely Dan. Did you see some Bobby Caldwell? Mm. What you won't do, <laughs> do for Black History Month. Y'all thought I was black, but I'm a nerdy Jew. Yeah, the thing is funny is Jason and I always have these conversations. And Jason's like, Pascal, you know everyone on the show thinks you're super black, right? I was like, what are you super talking about? Black. 
this is like yeah. no they all think you're a black nationalist but like, i was like what do you I mean i haven't been a black nationalist for like 20 something years he's like no nah, man i was like why because i talk about black issues i write about black politics and haitian politics that's my beat what can i tell you but what about the black man who becomes an albino and goes up into the mountains the caucasus <laughs> mountains and two pe two two black albinos can make a white person. What about that? Bobby Caldwell was born. <laughs> so Bobby Caldwell was the first. <laughs> Dude, how many black people do you think cried when they saw the video for what you won't do for love? And Bobby Caldwell, who was the goofiest <laughs> man, just goofy as shit. He looks like Gallagher, damn near. Dancing around. <laughs> Dancing around in the videos. <laughs> Who's the guy never going to give you up? That poor guy, too. Never going to give, never going to give. Rick Astley? Rick Astley. There we go. Everybody thought Pascal's old enough to remember this. So for you young people that think this Rick Roll thing, uh, Rick Astley, when he hit the radio charts, was on black radio. Mm-hmm. Never going to give, never going to give. Remember that? Pascal? I remember that video too. I remember that music video. I was like, "This is a white guy." Yeah, not just a white guy. Fucking looked like Opie. He looked like Opie. I love when that happens. Like a twelve years old, a twelve year old prepubescent. I was like, "Have we moved past the era of that ever happening again?" Well, it happened like a few years later with the Simply Red. Holding back He had some joints. That one, the one on the. You know what's the movie with the women robbing the bank? That soundtrack. You're the other group. You're thinking of the other group from Ireland. No, Simply Red is on that. Simply soundtrack. Red had another song. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Keep Angel. Ready? Holding on. No, you get, I'm gonna. No one's gonna join in with me. No. You guys are no. horrible. You know what? Because we're not white. We can't. We can't. It's we're not white. We can't sing I those hope. songs. You have to be white to sing. <laughs> you have to be white to sing that. Remember when people used to fight over Mariah Carey? That was fun. Claiming, claiming where, where was she from, and was she like right, right, right? You guys are horrible. <laughs> I dude, I still, I still love Mariah Carey on uh, back to uh, what's it? Soul to soul. However, do you want me? I used to love Soul to Soul. Soul to Soul. Karen that Wheeler, cut. she's amazing. That cut was tight. Is Karen Wheeler the one that sang with Massive Attack too? Probably. That's when those guys song. had all that got like how we talked about that with house music. When them guys had all the gospel singers, oh that's why I was yeah, house music because I grew up in a church. So that's why the soul, all the soul went into house music. And not mm -mm. hip hop. Mm -mm. Could you imagine what hip hop would be like? You know who was like one of the last groups in my. And now I'm going to get crapped on as we get into the champagne room. If you guys want to call up and and you know tell me I'm wrong. Black Eyed Peas. No, Black Eyed Peas on their first record when I actually still knew them, they had a black woman that was part of the group. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I met them. This is before that first record came out, right before it, it was like a week before it came out. They were like playing me Macy Gray demos. Mm. Uh, they, they were they were really into um, 
what I guess what would you call it neo soul now but still like really good singers and that's to me is kind of like that last moment of actual like Jill Scott can sing oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah big fan of Jill Scott you know um, I bet you are. I bet you are. <laughs> yeah, but, well, I used to have a crush on Jill Scott back in the day. I, I was like, I You wanted uh, to take a long walk in the park with her? I would leave this yeah. show if Jill Scott wanted me to be her kept man. Have you seen her live? She's good live. Yeah, I think Jill Scott is just phenomenal. I, I like her better than Erica Badu, I can tell you that. One of the bus drivers from Yo Gabba was Jill Scott's bus driver, and he had um was in the bay and we were hanging out and i you know was hoping to hear some bad about jill scott he's like oh she is just the sweetest woman mm-hmm. so, there's an alternate universe somewhere where i can run into jill scott on accident and then uh you know podcast power <laughs> you drop all your pencils and your books and then she helps you pick them up <laughs> i'm walking down the quad for no reason <laughs> I wanted to be with you alone <laughs> and talk about the weather. <laughs> That's Yemen's. That's Yemen's. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we did the serious stuff, people, just so you we know. We talked about it. If you're coming to the show late, the show is very serious. And I hope that right now everybody is singing Tears for Fears as we (laughs) leave this show. We're heading into the champagne room. Phone lines will be open. If you have something to say about this show, if you have your own opinion on Black History Month, tell us why you want to watch a Cosby Show marathon for a week during Black History Month. Why oh you think God. we need more uh, different world. Why the black college sweatshirts shouldn't be $300 on the secondary market and someone needs to bootleg them for 20 bucks. 20 Shirley's going to cross colors. Shirley's going to call in and curse Jason out. It's like, what's wrong with Black History Month? <laughs> Why why did y'all do Carl Kanai like that? Yeah, they did him dirty. That poor man. Carl Kanai's out there. Don't break my heart. Don't take my heart. Don't don't <laughs> throw it away. <laughs> I had a question I was gonna ask Jason. Um, <laughs> do you consider What's the name of the brother who's the British singer who had the uh, who had like, the scars on his face? Seal. Seal. Do you consider Seal soul music? Yeah. How did you know he was talking about Seal so quickly? Really? How many British Negroes do you know that sing? Don't worry, I'll wait. Okay, well, I remember no, having right. all specials. Which one? I remember having a massive, massive argument. When I used to actually have to go to a barber shop in the night, <laughs> they were never gonna survive <laughs> unless these brothers were like, "Seal is not soul music." We get That's a little funny. crazy. There's a lot of black people who didn't even know black people existed in in the UK. I didn't know until I saw them niggas in the UK. I went to Bristol and these niggas was running around. I was looking Bristol. At- 
<laughs> you went to the heart of it. You... I was trying to touch him. <laughs> Ridiculous. I was like, black girls got weaves here too. <laughs> no, we're never going to survive. <laughs> Seal is dope. I like Seal. Seal is cool. Ask out. <laughs> <laughs> Wanna hear something really sad? Hmm. Kiss from a Rose was in one of the Batman movies. Right. One of the people that have been on this show dumped me. And my good friend, Mikey Disco, I'm calling him out. Mikey Disco took me to the movies because I was so sad. And and uh, I couldn't even watch that Batman when the Kiss from a Rose thing came on because I was so heartbroken. Oh, my God. I will tell you guys off air who it was. I think Pascal might know. I have a feeling who it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah hey, babe. <laughs> Kiss from a Rose. Yeah, my good friend took me to the movies. So and and that song came on, "Kiss from a Rose." So every time I hear it, I'm like, God, I totally got dumped. <laughs> oh my gosh! He told you you didn't like Black History Month. She was like, Oh fuck you! Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> black people fought for a whole month. How dare you? <laughs> After the love is gone. <laughs> <laughs> you me right enough. Yeah, don't mess with uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, man. That's the, come on. No, that's a sacred cow for you. I love Earth, Wind, and Fire, bro. What about I love uh, soul music? I love all. What about uh, Michael McDonald and Patty LaBelle? I like Michael oh, McDonald. <laughs> that's, that's that's a white boy with a lot of melanin, melanin in his throat. <laughs> I like Mike Jason got jokes today. You know what's funny? And I'll leave with this. The the Doobie Brothers do the What's Happening Mm -hmm. show, right? I remember that show. I've watched that episode so many times. The big ass tape recorder. (laughs) The biggest tape recorder ever falls out of Fred Rerun Barry's waistband. And, uh, and the Doobie Brothers, you know, do the sting, right? That black dude played in a Beatles, he plays in a Beatles tribute band that a friend of mine has, some older cats, forget his name. I saw him, I was leaving my room when I was in the warehouse, the warehouse, and he was on the stage room, and my first thought was, that's the nigga from What's Happening. <laughs> <laughs> and what's happening now <laughs> it wasn't even like that's <laughs> the doobie brother that's been around through all that like oh black water get my- <laughs> 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 oh, i like gosh, the doobie brother man. you like the china grove doobies like like uh uh, uh hell's angels or do you like the the uh michael mcdonald doobies I like Michael. I like them all. I like the Doobie Brothers a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, minute, Jason impersonating white folks today. What's going on? You're not allowed to do that. We going into Black History it's Month. Because, this is just because I've been drinking. Oh, so I, noticed Fanta. 
I have the smaller one too. Mexican Fanta. Mexican Fanta. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. All this 11 minutes and 46 seconds you just got. If you are enjoying this, there's more in the champagne room. It's even more uncensored. There's a whole other sound bank that we use. Mm-hmm. We can play music that we can sing along to. MT is going to do karaoke in the Ooh. champagne room. We're going to take your phone calls. We are out. out. <laughs>